Hello, welcome back to episode 26 of Creative Writing Podcast. If you missed episode 24, 25, go back and listen to those. Not that they, like, correlate to this or anything, I'm just saying. Alright, well, I hope you enjoyed last week's podcast, and I hope you enjoyed this week's podcast just as much. I personally fell asleep three times while recording it, so I hope you don't fall asleep while listening to it. On this show, we're going to talk about some recent events some upcoming community events i've got an interview lined up with someone you may or may not know i feel bad for you sorry it hurts yeah. it hurts just hearing the story <laughs> <laughs> but that's why my face is even now so good for that and stick around for the very end i had a wonderful listener submission at the last minute while i was actually editing this thing to go out so I was able to tack it on at the end. The glories of email. The glories of technology. All right. And if you have anything you'd like to submit to the show, feel free to email us at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Don't be afraid to send out an email. It only takes a few minutes and you could become internet famous to about 50 people. All kidding aside, I would like to give a few shout-outs to some people and places on the interwebs. Um, I've been checking the stats recently on our page, and I've noticed that we've got a few listeners in Australia. Um, It's not showing me where, so thank you for the listens. Uh, Obviously, the U.S. is in the first spot. The U.K. is in second. Canada's in third. Denmark's in fourth. And Australia's in fifth. And uh, Korea, France, Singapore, Panama, and Romania, of all places, rounding out the top 10. So, you know, I'm sorry for the, um, you know, the places that I can't get the exact data for, or else I'd give you a shout out. But I can see cities in, in some of the places. So for some reason, it's not letting me, you know, see Australia and, and a few of the other places that... Uh, appear to have a growing listenership so i really appreciate this if it's more than aussie chris down there um hey i'm i'm super happy and super proud and hopefully i'll be having you know someone from down under on the show uh, definitely in the next few months so stay tuned for that it's paul hogan all right i got paul hogan on the show there are you happy so at any rate uh thank you so much and uh Whoever lives in New Berlin, Wisconsin, and Appleton, you guys are like in this drag race to see how many times you can listen to the show. And right now, New Berlin is winning, uh, just to let you know. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, you may have noticed via El Facebooko Pejo, that's Spanish for Facebook page, that I posted an article about the New York's uh, police department crushing a ton of bikes and quads and whatnot. Now, to be fair, the police commissioner, Bill Bratton, did the same thing in L.A. uh, years back when he was, um, I forget if he was chief of police or commissioner here or whatnot. He, out here, uh, when he would seize drag racers' cars, they would drop them from about like a 100-foot crane and watch the guys tear up as they smash the ground. Now, you may be thinking this is idiotic, but what he's doing is basically um, sort of like what people would do back in the Roman Empire where, you know, you can take someone from another army and make them a slave or, you know, utilize them as a servant in your realm, right? In your kingdom, empire, whatever. Or you can send a message. 
and you could smash that person to bits in front of their fellow countrymen. And I guess that's what they were, that's the effect they were going for. Because in that video, you can see a bunch of bikes in the background. Now, what I'm thinking is, why not auction those bikes off, at least even for parts? I mean, granted, it's going to take some time to dismantle them and, and get the parts and put it up on eBay, and it's a whole lot of effort. But you, for the amount of bikes that they crushed in that video, you could have probably bought a new squad car. And I'm only saying that because you don't get like a base model squad car for like $20,000 and then kit it out. When you buy them to, you know, from Ford or whoever you're getting them from, they're like specked out with your crap and they usually cost like double what a regular car would cost. So, you know, you could have easily got one police car. Maybe you could have got some overtime. Maybe you could have used these bikes as bait vehicles. You know, you big dummies, set them out, have like uh, some unmarked cars surveilling them all the time. You can put remote kill switches on them just like you can on a car. So why not use them as bait vehicles and catch some dudes stealing them? You know, instead of taking these resources that you have and just crushing them to make a statement and to... I don't know, get them off the market. You know, you could have resold them out of state or something. It's so stupid. But I guess what I'm saying is that he was making a point. He wasn't doing this to be fair. He wasn't doing this to be reasonable. He was doing this to prove to these people that I will crush your bike if you do this shit. So don't do this shit. So on one hand, I get it from a law enforcement, from a sociological perspective, but from a motorcyclist point of view and seeing those perfectly good bikes go to waste and someone that works, you know, in a field where you, God, you work with data, you realize how hard it is to manufacture those things and like how much time and effort goes into and resources, you know, goes into all the metal and plastic and stuff like screw just anything you know it could have been refrigerators there's a lot of like raw materials that, and time wasted that they just ran over with some bulldozers and i don't know from from a practical point of view i just couldn't see the value in crushing those when you could have resold them it's so it was so silly or even donated them to a kids group underprivileged kids maybe got them into responsible riding use them as teaching tools learning tools law enforcement tools you know let's get a couple cops on those things and teach them how to ride them so they could chase these guys down because in the article it said he's crushing them because they can't catch him so why not use them as police vehicles you know and bait vehicles i don't know So you can see how a few people were just rubbing their heads going, what the fuck was he thinking? You know, like what a, that was the weirdest thing to have done. But on the other hand, if you are, you know, to be, okay, before I say a tyrant, to be honest, this guy has actually been a fair police commissioner, believes in diversity, believes in like the broken window theory, where if you leave a window broken on a building or you leave graffiti up on a wall, more graffiti is going to pop up next to it. More broken windows are going to happen next to it. That's actually pretty much a, a, a real proven theory. So he he's into fixing stuff that's wrong with neighborhoods. So I'm not going to say he's like a totally shitty guy because I really know nothing about him, except that he ran over some motorcycles, which I saw as impractical but from his standpoint and from a police standpoint they're making a statement you ride this type of vehicle 
in a illegal way and we're going to smash it. We don't care if we can, like, we don't care about the money we could get from it. That's how much we just want to crush these, you know, what, how much we want to get you off the street is that we don't, there are zero fucks given here, basically. So I kind of get it from that standpoint. But at the same time, just seeing, like I said, that waste of raw material, that waste of, um, basically it's like watching money getting burned. I don't know. I have, I, it's, you know, they treated it like a narcotic basically and they burn weed and whatever they do with other drugs, you know, however they dispose of them. That's what this was to me. That's how they were treating this. They weren't treating it like a resource pool that they could then turn around into more resources or funds for them. So, uh, whatever, we'll see what, you know, we'll see if it really stops people from riding those bikes. And I guess, you know, if if some of those were stolen and the owners, you know, could have got them back, I would be pretty pissed and we'll see if any lawsuits pop up. So, all right, rant over on that. Um, another fad that I've seen actually on the uh, Wisconsin International Raceway's top 10 bikes list is uh, underwear dancing. If you like guys, big or small, dancing around uh, in scant underwear, then this site is for you. Yes, it's better than the best of Craigslist. It's better than hairy bears and burly squares. It is just amazing to see all the videos that these quote drag racers they're they're putting the drag in drag racing <laughs> some of these stuff they're posting so i think i might throw my hat in the ring and uh post something to that page and see what comes out of it before they start venturing away from this uh men dancing in well i wouldn't say females underwear but you know drag racing must be exciting it's like the ricky bobby without the helmet so it's about time to start heading into tonight's interview. And my guest tonight is a longtime personal friend. Uh, this person is just a kick in the pants. Always lands on their feet. Um, you know, has had several life-changing events. And all of them have revolved uh, around motorcycling recently. And so it's a big part of their life. And uh, I will let them, you know, tell us their story. And so let's have our guest introduce himself. All right, take it away. Uh, my my guest tonight is <laughs> Mad Mama Miller. So on tonight's show, we have Mad Mama Miller, who's a, a longtime friend <laughs> and uh, an absolute, just crazy, fun-loving person. And uh, I've known her for quite a few years, but you haven't. So let's get into some introductions. So Mad Mama Miller, why don't you introduce yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. actually, my, my given name is Sarah Jane Miller. Some people but call I think, me. But I do think your parents probably were thinking Mad Mama when you popped out, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it started at a young age um, around the house and... It just took off like wildfire, wildfire or, or wildflower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, really briefly, usually I ask people to give us like a 10,000 foot view of who they are and what they do. But uh, you are somebody that's like full of, I mean, you are, you've done a lot of stuff well beyond the scope of people your age. Um, at 29, you've accomplished world travel. Uh, motorcycling cycling I, I won't tell your story i'll let you tell your story so why don't you just tell us really fast <laughs> like yeah, what, you do, I, what you do and who you are 
<laughs> I have done, done a lot of things and I, I have one of those lives where I feel like a cat with multiple lives. I'm not sure how many I'll continue to have. I'd like to kind of settle down and just have one life, you know, for a little while at least. So at the present time, I'm a, a nurse, a registered nurse, and this is my hopefully last stop on my my jogging line of careers. Um, and as far as motorcycling, that's something that I don't know, like, well, I just, I don't feel like I'm one who should be on this show because I, I love motorcycles. I love riding, but I'm not very well versed in riding. So although I am capable of many things, I'm the quintessential person who can do a lot, but maybe not everything quite so well. Right. So, um, Wait, be and before you continue, yeah, you say you're not the quintessential motorcycle, but I'm guessing that you've put more miles on motorbikes than I have. <laughs> Possibly. That's yeah. That's a rough <laughs> guess of it. So, uh, I would say you're pretty much a motorcyclist. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, thanks. Good. I feel, uh, I feel confirmed then. Yeah. So <laughs> how did you get started? Um, Way back actually, in 1916, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my dad had an old Honda when I was a kid. And so I would ride on the back with him. And it would just be a once a week thing on Sunday to go up to 7-Eleven and get the newspaper. Um, sometimes we would be pushing the motorcycle home until eventually he just didn't have it anymore. Um, but that was my introduction to motorcycles. Was he, sick of you, was he sick that you kept breaking it on the way to 7-Eleven or what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he got tired of my sabotaging the weekly event, the highlight of his week, I'm sure. But it's okay. We worked it out now, and Father's Day is coming up, and, you know, we're on good terms. It's all good. <laughs> good to hear yeah. you've, buried, you've buried the hatchet okay yeah and then in college I was living in San Francisco and I was a bicycle commuter um but I had a friend who was interested in racing and we went to the Laguna Seca racetrack together it was my first time going and um they had a lot of vendors there one of the vendors was Yamaha and they had the Yamaha Virago and it was a brand new bike and like a moth to the flame. I was thrilled. And I just thought, oh my gosh, I totally want to ride. And that's when it just lit up inside me. But my boyfriend at the time really did not want me to ride in San Francisco. He was very concerned about it, the danger of it. And which I understood. I mean, yeah, it could be crazy there. I was hit by a car on my bicycle. So I, I get it, you know, it's like, okay, well. So I didn't pursue the dream at that point. It wasn't until 2003 that I actually started scootering. And I started with just a 50cc little scooter, um, graduated pretty quickly to a vintage Vespa that got stolen. Then I got another vintage slim body frame with the Rally 200 engine. That was a lot of fun. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. 
<laughs> Rad. It was, yeah, it was a little unexpected, but I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus bus bench. That was pretty fun. Yeah, I've got applause from homeless guys, but for my dance moves, I uh, wish it was for wheeling through an intersection. <laughs> I, I take it is that thing was it a is a two stroke? Yeah. Yeah, two stroke. Yeah, so it just put the power down like whiskey yeah. throttle through the intersection. Yeah. Yeah. That's rad. It, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got my first motorcycle in 2010. What was your first motorcycle? It's actually the same ride I have right now. It's a 76 Honda CB404. Did you get that from Shannon at uh, SS Classics? Indeed, I did. Oh, wow. I think he's yeah. the... Let's do some name dropping. So um, you bought your bike <laughs> off of the... I guess he's the president of the Venice Vintage Motorcycle Club. <laughs> yeah. Rad, man. All right, enough yeah. about him. Let's get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you have you have a scooter right now, too, right? Is that that Sport 200? No, actually, no. I've got a Lambretta. It's a 64 TV 175. Yeah, that thing's bitching. Um, I think I may have seen you. Yeah, you may or may have not popped a wheelie in front of me on that thing, too. I can't remember. No, that one doesn't wheelie. It's more like a Cadillac. It's pretty solid. Oh, rad. Yeah. It saves your buns over speed bumps and stuff. But yeah. um, So aside from I know you've you've had scooters and motorbikes, but I've always kind of known you as a two wheel person, too. Um, You've cycled right i mean you've cycled you are an avid you in the past were like an avid uh runner cyclist swimmer so on and so forth yeah yeah i grew up cycling i grew up my dad and brothers cycled um so i grew up around it my dad taught me in an early age defensive riding and um i rode to school on my bicycle in grade school um I mentioned in college, I was a bicycle commuter, probably putting on 80 miles a week between work and school. I don't even drive that in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always been a a passion of mine. I did do a couple of century rides. Um, so I'm familiar with the long hours in the uncomfortable seat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. Is that why? Is that why when you got a, a Lambretta, you made sure you had like the caddy package on there? You're like, right. I am not busting my ass anymore on two wheels. <laughs> That's exactly. rad. How many miles do you think you've put on your bicycle or on a bicycle? Oh, actually, I do have an odometer on it. I could go look. Should I go check? Sure. I've at least put in. 832, no, 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 8,332 miles. Wow, that is incredible. That's around the world three times. Um, is it? No. Okay, maybe that's too many. I don't, that's just, that's <laughs> maybe not even across the U.S. twice, I don't think. I, I just said that. So besides um, running and cycling and motorcycling, what else do you, like, what else are your hobbies, I guess, outside of motorcycling? Let's get into the creative side of Sarah here. Like, <laughs> do you like photography? Do you like, yeah. I don't know, pie eating contests? Oh, I haven't ever done a pie eating contest, but um, I do enjoy eating in general. And I also enjoy cooking, uh, photography, hiking. I like being outside. I like being active. Do you uh, sleep outside sometimes? 
Um, not, not so much anymore. Maybe if I'm in the mountains, I tried it once on my deck in my yard, but then the stupid street light was keeping me awake. So yeah. I didn't want to talk too well. Yeah. I tried it once in Arkansas, um, and the mosquitoes kept carrying me off. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. They're beasts out there. So do you like, uh, music, dancing, any of that sort of stuff? Uh, actually I do. <laughs> what do you know? What a coincidental <laughs> question I asked. <laughs> Yes, I um, I love dancing. I I do swing dance, um, Lindy Hop, Charleston, and other Dude. silly forms. Cool. Uh, how long have you been doing that? Uh, since '97. Holy cow! Um, so since you were six years old, and yeah. have you taught? Do you teach it, or have you taught, or do you compete, or anything like that? Oh, not anymore. I used to, but not anymore. Um, I don't really like competitions. I do not do well at all with competing. Um, I get way too nervous, but I enjoy teaching that. That was always fun. Um, but I, I'm just doing it for myself right now on occasion, just for fun, just as, as a form of activity. And it's a great community here in San Diego. We've got a really great group of people out who like to do that. That's awesome. That sounds like a lot of fun. Actually, I, I tried it a couple times. Um, I was not very proficient. Um, so I gave it up either that or my dance partner was like way too good. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's awesome. Um, is there any, uh, do you guys, do you dance to music or is it just quiet when you're dancing? We, we actually dance to sign language interpreters and it can be challenging at times because when you're in a turn to make sure you're on the right count or the right beat, you have to pay attention to the sign language, you know? So that can always throw a twist sometimes, you know, and sometimes we'll get off beat, but it it usually works out. Wow. (laughs) Wow. That sounds incredible. I've got to see this. (laughs) Do you do, are you doing photo anymore? Photography? Just for myself. But yeah, I mean, I love it. I'm, I've actually been redecorating my house. And so I've been doing some more prints, refreshing my artwork around. And that's been a lot of fun for me just because it has been a creative outlet. And it, it's funny, you know, Facebook does this thing now where you see memories and it uh, popped up with some memories of a Viva Las Vegas event I went to in 2011. And I started looking at the car show pictures I took. And Man, I had some really good ones. And I haven't taken my camera out back since that year because I just wanted to focus on having fun and not carrying around a big camera. But uh, I was able to get some really good shots. So it's fun just to keep that inspiration going and and to keep myself challenged and how to make sure the settings work. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, hey, what's this this button that says pick, dude? Does that take the pick? (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I... I eventually want to have some photographers and some more creative people on the show because I've gone out to photograph stuff for work and just for the show and for myself. And I've got to tell you, like, I might as well take out like a 1980s disposable point and shoot. My pictures turn out like such crap, even, you know, I just, I don't know how to manipulate a camera. Like I used to, uh, like back in high school, you know, when, when I was taking photos, it was like, Oh, do this and that. But now like you can adjust so much more stuff. Yeah. I, 
I don't even yeah. know what the settings are. I'm so glad my camera is made for stupid people like me. <laughs> so Yeah, and, and shooting racing is a challenge. Yeah. yeah, I went to the MotoGP at Laguna Seca a few years ago, and I really had a hard time shooting that one just because the speed, of course, is incredible. Um, but I just did not know how to set up my camera properly. So it'd be cool if you were able to get somebody who knows what they're talking about on the show. Right. <laughs> did you have really nice pictures of the track and then these blurs going through it? Yeah. 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 Every once in a while there would be like one person, but it would, it would just wasn't a good shot. It was just yeah. like, okay, there's one identifiable object. Right. I was trying to take um, pictures of the flat track at Del Mar at night because i've mostly taken pictures of the daytime ones and that's all fine and good but yeah. at night inside that stadium the only lights are down there by the track and so the only people getting like any good shots were the people down on the track with yeah. the lights right there and if yeah. you're up in the stands you're basically shooting through darkness into the light on the track and yeah it was so hard because yeah. you're trying to set a fast shutter speed so that people aren't blurry but then it makes your picture like super dark you know what yeah. i mean because there's not enough time to expose it so yeah it, was, it, it is a super challenge it's not as easy as people think to, yeah. to get a good pick so props yeah. to you for that for getting some really good shots when you did so we kind of covered what motorcycles you've owned and uh all the scooters you've owned but which one out of all of them has been your favorite so far um oh man I don't know. I really like that that Vespa. Even though it scared me to death with the Rally 200 engine, it was it was fun. Just it was it was peppy and fierce and it gave a kick. So you never knew really what was going to happen on it, which made it kind of scary, um but really fun at the same time. So, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. I bet you that thing was it as fast as your 400 is? Because, <laughs> I mean, a two-stroke, you know what I mean? Those things are bu bucket loads of power, you know? It's like double what, basically double what a uh, four-stroke of the same displacement is. I bet you it would have kept up with it pretty good. Except for, I don't know how the gearing was, but I bet you it could keep up with it until it got yeah. outgeared. Yeah, but on hills, it wouldn't be as powerful um, going up. Going down, it'd be just fine, though. Right. Most, yeah, I had an old um, Volkswagen bug that was great downhills, but yeah, going up was a different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could have like any fantasy bike or hell, let's just make it a fantasy vehicle at this point, what would it be? Ooh, well, if you're going to open it up to vehicle. Um, let's, let's go with bike first and then you can get into vehicle. So okay, I can edit, so edit it out. <laughs> as far as bike goes, um, I have this silly idea or notion in my head of really wanting a Ducati. And honestly, it's because of an advertisement I saw. That's all it was. And on this advertisement was this sexy woman and it was a European ad. So she had full on riding gear. There was like no skin showing, but it was just sexy. And I was like, oh man, I want that Ducati. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, that's me on that Ducati. Um, However, what was it? Do you know what it was? Was it a sport bike or was it like one of their sport classics? It was a sport bike. Yeah. But I, I don't even remember which model it was. Yeah. Could you I've see gone, yourself riding a sport bike? 
a sport bike? I would, yeah, I would love to. It'd be fun. I've been down to GP and, and checked out their motorcycles. I went on my birthday once and just took pictures and daydreamed, but I never test rode any. <laughs> I bet you they'd let you, especially if you showed up in like some full leathers like that ad or whatever. <laughs> Talking accent. Can I ride your bike? <laughs> um, not that accent. Don't do that. Accent. No, I don't think I'd use that one. I choose a different one. You and I had talked a little while ago and you were thinking about pulling the trigger on a V7 stone or a V7 yeah, racer. The Moto Guzzi, mm-hmm. the V7 racer. You still thinking about it? Um, I am. I am. The thing is, again, I still haven't test rode it because I got this awesome tax return back and I was thinking, oh, I could use that towards you know, a new bike. Um, but then I lost my job. So now I'm kind of like, well, I guess I could use that to pay my mortgage. (laughs) Who needs a house when you got a V7 racer? (laughs) Camp like camping is free, right? (laughs) (laughs) Until until you get hired again and then you can just go back to your house. So It'll it'll happen. Now let's get to your fantasy vehicle. Well, I would uh, go back to a classic and I would love to have like an old Porsche. Um, the kind, I'm really bad at ears, but the kind where, what's that sound you're making? Oh, it's a sign. Um, something that like James Dean wrote in, just something that was old and I could work on, that's my dream car. My first car was a classic. It was a 65 Corvair. And that's what I worked on with when I was growing up with my dad. I'd always help him change the oil or do whatever it was that, that needed to be done on it. And I liked that. I liked getting my hands greasy. And so I'd want a classic car that I could work on myself. That would be my dream car. Right. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um yeah, Volkswagens, Porsches, and Corvairs were some of the most, you know, I wouldn't say only, but like most popular 60s rear wheel, rear engine cars and kind of made them easy to work on because everything's there at the back. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah. yeah, no, that's cool. I didn't know you had a Corvair. Those are cool. I, you, you like hardly ever see them out of like Porsches, Corvairs, and VWs. You hardly ever see any Corvairs anymore. No, you don't. Yeah. And that's thanks to Ralph Nader. He, fucking nader he they took it off the line when he criticized it so that's the power of uh social media God damn. nader um so out of all the rides you've done and let's talk about bicycle too. anything two wheels out of all the rides you've done uh what was your favorite one what was your favorite bicycle ride because you may have been able to bicycle ride in countries where you have not motorcycle rid, you know, gone on motorcycles. Actually, I would have to say my, hmm, that's a good question. I would say probably the biggest ride I did that, that was most meaningful to me was one for the JDRF, the JD, the juvenile diabetes research foundation. And it was in Santa Rosa and we got to do a portion of the ride on highway one. So growing up, my, I had an aunt who, who lived in Crescent City, which is very northern California. And for Christmas, we'd drive up there as a family. And I always have fond memories of Highway 1. And I remember seeing cyclists on that road and my dad talking fondly about it because he had done it already. And 
I just, ever since I was a kid, I was like, I'm going to ride my bicycle on highway one. I want to do this. It was just in me. So this ride, it was a century ride, which means it was a hundred miles. And we were able to do part of it on the highway one. And it was terrifying and scary, but also exhilarating. So it was one of those, I guess you could say something on my bucket list, if that's what you want to call it. But it was definitely a life goal that I got to fulfill. That's pretty awesome. That is cool. And, and, um, what about on motorcycle? Um, I was in Vegas for nursing school and I really hate Las Vegas. I'm not really a desert person and I'm not an adult Disneyland person. I mean, I like Disneyland. I just don't like the strip. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah. So, uh, my hey, before, you, before you continue, ironically, you can see uh, like gross Minnie Mouses there on the strip now. Like people dress up like they do down in Hollywood to get pictures <laughs> taken and stuff. It's true. There's Transformers too. Yeah. So yeah. you can see it is like Disneyland now. <laughs> yeah. But true. yeah, no, I, I totally get it. I totally get it. And the heat, I know, I know f- this is cheating because I know you, but one time you came home and all the candles in your house had melted over. It's so hot. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty absurd. So I was thinking, oh, I'll take my motorcycle to Las Vegas. So it'll be easier to get around and park. Well, the laws in Nevada are such that you have to park your motorcycle like a car. So it doesn't matter. You can't park in between cars. You have to pay just like you would for a car. There's no splitting lanes. And then you've got 140 degrees coming off the asphalt on this burning engine between your legs and you're in a freaking you know jeans and a motorcycle jacket it is the most miserable experience ever so i kind of regretted taking my motorcycle out except for when i was able to get out of the city and so there was a few times i was able to just for my own sanity's sake get out of get out of the proverbial dodge and those are my favorite rides i got to go over to the hoover dam and check out lake mead and um, I went into Valley of Fire um, and got to get out in the dirt a little bit. It was just, and it was by myself. There's nobody else there. And so to have that feeling like you're the only one out there is just the coolest thing. So Yeah, that, that's awesome. I think that's part of the reason that a lot of people get drawn to motorcycling too is because sometimes you've got the option to get out there and feel like it's just you and your motorcycle. You're not trapped in a car with like all the luxuries. It's just like you in the breeze with like in that instance, nobody else in this beautiful because parts of Nevada can be beautiful and it's the parts where nobody yeah. is like you said, you know, so. Yeah. Uh, okay, so yeah, there's there are quite a few ways to get out into the world and experience stuff, whether you're on a motorcycle or not. And I know that you love to travel. Can you tell me like all the places you've been, if you oh. can remember them all? Okay. <laughs> the yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if Mexico counts, but sure, growing up, huh? Yeah. Why not? Growing up in San Diego, um, I, I went over across the border into TJ and Mexicali on a pretty regular basis. Um, even if it was just with my church and doing, working at, um, orphanages and doing construction or playing with the kids. Um, but then as an adult, 
When I graduated from college, my first international trip out of the continent was to Germany and um, Amsterdam to visit friends. And then I did a road trip um, through the Swiss Alps down into Italy and um, back around to Holland. I don't even remember everywhere we hit, but it was a good trip. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like it. (laughs) <laughs> when was that? Was that when you were younger? Yeah, so like, it was after was my like, first degree. Yeah. Um, you're a first degree traveler. <laughs> <laughs> then I got to do a pretty fun trip to County Cork in Southwest Ireland. Uh, I also did a a beer tour in Belgium, and. And during that trip, we also hit up Amsterdam, got to go to, I think, one of the oldest pubs there. That was pretty interesting. Um, I've also spent some time in Barcelona. And uh, uh, where else did I I go? You know what? I I just wanted to interview you earlier this year, but you were in Switzerland or Sweden? Yeah, Switzerland. I've got a brother who lives there. So I went to see him and his family for Christmas. And during that trip, I got to go to Paris for the first time. I only went for three days, but that was pretty awesome. It was definitely just an appetizer. I have to go back. Right. Fantastic city. Yeah, not a Paris. Um, Paris, Portugal is such a beautiful city. I want to visit there sometime myself. I got to have a layover in Portugal for about four hours. Oh, did you? I did. And I went to a wine shop my brother recommended and uh, got to do a port port tasting while I was on my layover. Incredible. Is that how how Portugal got its name? Port was Portugal? Well, that's where port came from. So it's kind of like champagne comes from champagne. Port comes from Portugal. Right. I get it. I thought it was called that because like a port, you know, they unloaded at the port. I don't know. I guess everything would be called port if that was the case. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) It is surrounded by water. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, I should have probably asked you in the very beginning, you have a tattoo on your booty that says, (laughs) that says, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. This is not it says made in, <laughs> it says made in Germany. I just wanted to say that you you are when you went to Germany did you go see where you were born? I well <laughs> I was made in no? Germany. I was actually born in the USA. Oh, no kidding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I did go to the towns where my parents lived, where my family and my bro- my siblings grew up. So yes, I did get to see where um they had their childhood memories. Right. That's like me going back to Arkansas to see the Lincoln where I was made in, you know, the Lincoln <laughs> Continental that I, that I was made in. <laughs> Another cool trip I got to do was uh, Costa Rica. That was that was an amazing trip. And same with Oaxaca. Oaxaca is a is a um, it's in lower Mexico, and that's where most people are familiar with Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead celebration. Um, so it, it's an amazing culture, beautiful people, beautiful colors. Um, very, it's just really cool because it's not 
overrun with Americanism. It's it stands true to its roots. Right. I used to um, I used to know some people uh, from Mexico. I forget where the heck they were from. I think Aguadulces or something like that. And they told me that Oaxaca was like the ugliest state in Mexico. But I've heard so many stories of how beautiful it is. So I guess it depends on your perspective. Are you looking at it from somebody that lives there and wants something right. modern or, or if you're looking at it from like an outsider trying to find the traditional culture that's not lost yet you know? yeah and, and hey I, oh before you, we get any further all you all you guys that are giving me shit in wisconsin about not being able to pronounce the names i dare you to try to spell oaxaca <laughs> i'm just gonna say that right now i've been getting a lot of shit because i can't i keep interviewing people from wisconsin and i can't pronounce any of the the city names or the you know so I'd like, I'd like to throw down a few, like, you know, California has a lot of Mexican um, and, well, Spanish specifically names. So, yeah, um, I think Oaxaca is not even Spanish. That's a, um, you know, that's a, I don't know what dialect it is. That's like native Mexican um, language. The, so, yeah, yeah. The tribal language. I don't know if it's like, yeah, if it's Mayan or if it's Aztec or what, but it's probably Aztec. But yeah, spell that, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> and as far as U.S., I got to go to Alaska. That was pretty cool. Um, That's probably almost like a uh, country in itself, right? Absolutely. It's definitely a place that, I mean, if you hang out in Anchorage, it's a lot of fun. It, there's a lot to explore there. And it's surprisingly very multi-ethnic. I wasn't expecting that at all. Um, even with food, you can find all sorts of food there. Um, but then you go out to the range and you just feel like you're a National Geographic. It's amazing. It is truly breathtaking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to, for some reason, I don't know why, but Alaska is on my bucket list of stuff to do. Um, just because I felt like it's the last American frontier, really, that you can get into without, um, you know, where stuff still hasn't been, I wouldn't, I guess I wouldn't say explored, but may, you know, perhaps, uh, yeah. you know, just not as many people go through Alaska as have traveled back and forth across the expanses of America, even the ones that they didn't settle all the way. Right. The lower 48 has definitely been traveled. Yeah. Um, and I didn't include Hawaii and I got to ride a motorcycle there in flip flops. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> and Montreal. I've been to Montreal. Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> do you want to stick around and do some news with me or do you want me to want me to cut you loose before i do all that junk well uh, how long does the news take just a couple minutes i'll do the news with you all right oh this just in telegram Yes, ma'am. So actually, instead of news uh, this week, I was doing some upcoming events. And the first one I have on the calendar is this Sunday, May 22nd. Uh, Aussie Chris, if you're listening, this is in your part of town in New South Wales, Australia, the town of Penrith. They're having a hot rods and bikes at the Jameson Hotel. And I'm not 100% sure when it started because it was given to me U.S. times. And then it switched to Australian times. So I don't know when it's happening, but I do know that it's on Sunday. Um, Saturday, May 21st, there's Vintage Bike Night at Trophy Motorcycles in San Diego. Yeah, and yeah you might know the guy that uh, 
that uh, owns that place. I'm, yeah, I know a couple of those guys. <laughs> yeah, that's at 3849 Gaines Avenue, not on El Cajon, or were they on University? I forget. They were, they were on, on El Cajon, but they Cajon. moved up. They're in a new place. Yeah, so so don't go to the old, uh, on El Cajon, don't go to that old location. Go to 3849 Gaines. Um, Saturday and Sunday, May 21st. G-A-I-N-E-S. Yeah, not G-A-Y-N-O-U-S, or however else you think you should spell it. <laughs> uh saturday and sunday may 21st and 22nd there's the america ride and music festival at santiago canyon which is kind of where born freeze happens um on saturday there's an escorted ride from lifestyle cycles in anaheim to lakeview park and they're going to have police and fire trucks and american flags waving and it's like all you know pretty much uh, veteran inspired um on sunday there's going to be a thousand dollar poker run from cook's corner down to santiago canyon and the tickets are um, $20 pre-sale or $35 at the gate. And for a whole weekend pass, it's $30 pre-sale and $50 for a two-day pass. And veterans get a super deep discount. I think that they should get in for free. But the proceeds are going to the uh, Patriotic Service Dog Foundation, which awesome. is a, yeah, it's a foundation that takes dogs to visit um, vets that are suffering from PTSD. And they're little... A tagline read that 22 vets every day take their own lives from PTSD-related stress and not having services. So the Patriotic Service Dog Foundation is aiming to cut that from 22 down to zero by using uh, service dogs to help you know people get a more positive outlook on their lives. So I support our troops, and I think that they should. Uh, you know, PTSD is a hell of a thing to have to deal with alone. So I'm, I'm proud that they're doing that. Um, May 22nd, the SoCal Cycle Swap at Long Beach Veterans Stadium. There's a bike corral, a bunch of vendors, and some swap meet bullshit. And that goes from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. $10 per person. Uh, June 4th, the LA Mods versus Rockers, which is also known as the Big Wheel, Little Wheel. I think I think Mods versus Rockers is like a sanctioned event that you had to be part of a... I think they got in trouble for calling it that. But so they called... Yeah, it's like a licensed name, I think. So they call it the Big Wheel, Little Wheel. So that's going on June 4th. Uh, if you go up the two, there's like a campground up there. And it's uh, they haven't posted, uh, as far as I could see, they haven't posted many um, details about it yet, just the date. So <laughs> who knows where it's going to start from and uh, where it's going to end. So I think, I think it might leave from Garage Company. I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure they'll post stuff as it gets closer. Um, June 3rd through 5th at Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, the Moto America Superbike Showdown of Wisconsin is going on. Um, and uh, I was kind of excited to see that. I'm bummed that the AMA isn't airing uh, the Moto America series on Fans Choice anymore. They're going with BN Network, which is what MotoGP and all that stuff's on. So now you got to get a special sports package to see it. But if you're in Wisconsin, go check it out and support American Road Racing. Um, and then June 3rd, I don't know if you ever heard of this place, but, uh, Kakana, Wisconsin at the no, Wisconsin. Yeah. Nobody's heard of that place. The, uh, Wisconsin international raceway Friday, June 3rd, the real street drags are taking place from 4 PM to 10 PM. And, uh, I was noting that the, the tech on there, said so the chain guards have to extend to the rear axle. And I was wondering, because a lot of these guys have extended swing arms that are like eight feet long. And I was just wondering where you get an eight foot long chain guard at. <laughs> so, and then... Uh, Maybe people would know what place you're talking about if you pronounce the name correctly. Kakanau, Waskinson. 
<laughs> and uh, also, if you're going 9.999 seconds or faster, you need to wear full leathers, not no tracksuit with your flip flops on. Got it? All right. Got it. That's it for that's it for this week's special events. <laughs> So, all right. I'm glad I got that out of the way. So going from all these world travels and somewhere uh, that's known for its cold, like Alaska, let's get back to the desert here. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a ride that you did last year um, called Babes Ride Out. Yeah, that was a great event. Um, Last year was their third year of doing it. And I was able to go with some friends. We all rode out together from San Diego. Um, and it was very well organized. It was a ton of fun. It was really neat to see women who rode there from all over the States. And there were even women internationally who flew in and then rented motorcycles to attend. Uh, it was amazing energy. They had great music. They had great vendors, sponsors. Um, it was just very well run and, and I'm definitely going again. It was a ton of fun. So it wasn't just like a, a ride out in camp. They actually had like facilities and vendors and stuff like that. Well, there was a few vendors, not very many. Um, but they were also, I think that they were also sponsors like stance was there. Um, they, they had moonshine one night. Um, they had some tattoo artists who were doing tattoos really cheap. That was a little s- sketchy, but, you know, <laughs> when you're on the desert and you're drinking and having fun, why not? <laughs> yeah, and you know what? They might have not even been real uh, tattoo art. They're just like, hey, man, like, we're tattoo artists. Can we come, <laughs> can we come yeah, in? They were legit. They were legit. Oh, okay, okay. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It- Biltwell was a sponsor. Um, they even raffled off some helmets, and there was a there was a girl who does artwork on the helmets, so those were raffled off. Eight oh five, they were a sponsor. Sailor Jerry, that was another one. Oh, so okay. They, yeah, and eight oh five had free flowing beer. It was ridiculous. It was so awesome, and I love eight oh five. And the girls who were working that booth, they were amazing. And they were on their feet the whole day. I can't even believe how much effort people put into making sure everybody had a good time. So, Right, right. Yeah. No, that is totally cool. And you know what? Um, I kind of like, I've been talking to a lot of um, females on the show lately, a lot of women. And... I, I think that this is like a cool thing just for girls to go out. I mean, motorcycles for a long time, it's been like bros. I wouldn't say bros only, but I mean, since motorcycling for the longest time has been guys only, um, it just seems like it was such a male dominated thing and all these, you know, Sturgis, yeah. you would, you would walk, you would go to Sturgis to see tits basically. And you would go to everywhere <laughs> else to, you know, women, drugs and booze right i mean that's what it's all about so i was thinking babes right out is pretty cool um because it's girls and you just don't see that sort of you no. know let's, let's call it bullshit you know i mean it was just they it was very unique and i think the camaraderie was was uh was also unique because there were no men there and 
it just allowed women who were either young or experienced writers to feel comfortable and to not feel out of their elements or in this game where you're having to puff up your feathers and impress people. Like we were just there to have a good time and, and to get dirty and, um, and to have fun. And so there were writers who were pushed and writers who, um, you know, pushed to their, to their limits to, to, in order to have more confidence. And I think it gave that to them. It's very welcoming to, um, writers who of any age, really, it doesn't matter. Right. And, you know, I think that also having a, having a girl push you versus having a guy push you is probably, even if the guy is not trying to be a jerk, it's probably two different, uh, you know what I mean? Two different, what's the word I'm looking for here? Like a, just like a contrasting sort of, um, input, you know what I mean? Where when you have a guy pushing you guys are so usually typically, um, like performance or like, just do it, man. Like you can like, don't really explain a hell of a lot how, right. you know, just kind of tell you what to do and then like, see if you do it or not. And then if you don't do it, they're like, well, man, you got to do this, you know, where it seems like girls are more like encouraging, I guess, like guys are like, do it. Girls are like, Hey, you can do it. And let's, you know, here's how, even if they're just like, Hey, just peel out girl. You know, a lot of times it's not like the pressure, you know, cause I, you know, being a guy, I I know how it is. You like, I've done it and I've had it done to me where you're just like, come on, dude, just do it, bro. Just do it. And you're yelling and you're not really saying how, you know, you're just like, just do it, do it. And then like somebody gets killed or hurt and you're like, oh, whoops. Well, don't do that. You dummy. You know, (laughs) I I think I could appreciate like, you know, being, being pushed to your limits by uh, positive means, you know what I mean? But no, that's really cool. I noticed I was looking at the one from um, South Wales in the UK and it says they have showers and entertainment and all that stuff. Was there that at the Joshua tree one? Yeah, they did have uh, showers set up at the campground and porta potties. I didn't use a shower though. I mean, it's just a weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I know. (laughs) You know, some girls, some girls have to have their shower twice a day. And yeah. (laughs) And you know, if you want to bring your makeup and do your makeup more power to you, but I'd rather slap on some sunscreen and have a beer. Right. Hell yeah. You're (laughs) otherwise you're wasting time putting on makeup when you could be drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I saw a picture you, I hadn't ever seen before on an Indian. Was that out there? Was that no, at Babes actually, right now? That was at Viva Las Vegas. Oh, okay, okay. They have a really big car show. It's, um, I think it's one of the bigger ones in the West or Southern Cal or Southern, I don't know, whatever this area is. But yeah, so usually it's, a, it's mostly cars at the car show, but every once in a while they'll pull in some really cool vintage motorcycles. And that Indian, um, I don't know what year that was built i didn't yeah it looked it looked old it looked like uh well then again hell they all look old don't they (laughs) that could have been a 2016 (laughs) but it it did it looked like a classic like at least like a 60s you know what i mean oh no it was older than that that was probably i would say that was probably 50s maybe even late 40s oh no kidding the actual indian head uh i think was um Gosh, what's the material? Bakelite. Oh uh, no shit. Yeah, oh, and wow. the, um, 
the seat, I mean, the patina on the tank was amazing. The guy hadn't touched it for any restoration. He left it all original, including the seat. And it was a really just beautiful old leather seat that it was like a saddle, you know. That's really rad. I mean, you don't, um, a lot of times if, when you don't restore something is when it's like worth the most, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's pretty incredible. That's awesome that he was, uh, had the presence of mind to leave it as stock as possible. And so you could see like all the old original stuff on it too. That's really bitching. So you've, you've done a, a lot of traveling. You've gone to a lot of events, both indoor and outdoor and dancing and nature and all that great stuff. Do you have any tips that you would give somebody about like packing to go to one of these things? Like say I want to, not me, I guess per se, but you want, I want to go to babes right out or, you know, I want to go like you did hiking through Costa Rica or whatever. Like, what do you, what sort of stuff do you take? Like, how do you, how do you prep for something like that? First off, do you, you know, do you, do you try to quit smoking the week before you go or do you just pack 80 <laughs> 80 boxes of smokes and just pray you don't run out of them while you're there or what, like, how do you do all that? <laughs> um, keep it simple. I mean, plan on, plan on reusing things and wear lots of layers. Uh, the thing about babes that was challenging was because it was in the fall, I was expecting it to be very cold especially at nighttime, the desert um, temperatures can drop pretty significantly. Right. So I prepared for the cold weather and I thought the days would be pretty chilly too, but the days wound up, it wound up being so hot. Oh, wow. So I was borrowing somebody's shorts. It was just, it was pretty insane. Yeah. So, you know, you got to think about what you can crumple up and pack real tight and just take the basics. Um, so even at babes, it wouldn't have been cool to like walk around in your, in your underwear or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. There were some women who did that. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Another reason why guys probably should not be allowed to go to babes. (laughs) (laughs) They're not. They Um, got security. (laughs) Yeah. So, and then, yeah, I know with the desert, it can be just from Vegas. I've seen it be 90 during the day and then like 44. 40 or 35 at night. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it gets pretty drastic out there where there's just like nothing but the yeah, air above you to keep the heat in. Right. And if it's not yeah. cloudy, it's cold. Right. Very much. So I don't think I really gave very many good tips on how to pack on a motorcycle, but there actually are some good little videos, like do it yourself packing videos. One I saw recently that was actually pretty clever was actually Fold, putting out the pair of pants and then a t-shirt and then underwear and folding it so that it all rolls into a tight little uh, round that you can just either attach to your tank or throw in a backpack. Right. Um, but it was a really smart way to layer everything together so that it's not too bulky. Right. Um, or yes. It's so funny. I'm actually really excited because I ordered some, I did the starter, um, Kickstarter program for Wolfpack Animal. You know Wolfpack Animal? They're a crew oh. up in Washington, I want to say. Maybe they're in Portland. They're in some place that's really cool. And they're putting together these side bags that they've designed that um, are weatherproofed and 
really good looking. And so I ordered some of those for my 76 Honda. I'm super excited on. So they're like saddlebags for motorcycles. Yeah. Are they hard bags or semi hard or what are they? They're made out of um, canvas, but it's, I think, well, it's canvas and leather. So they're medium soft Hmm. or mama bear soft. Yeah. Are they like brown? You can get different colors. It could be brown or green. Is it two or is it one? You got to buy, if you want two, you buy two. It's not like a kit that slings over the back. You can buy one or two. Either way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's called Pack Animal. And um, they're canvas and leather. And they can they can help fit it to what your bike, whatever you've got. But I ordered just one side bag because at the time that's what I could afford. Um, yeah. But I'm excited to do a trip with that next because I want to start doing longer rides again. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Packing is hard for. I mean, hell, just going to. Uh, what's it called? When I when I went down to the ride, I tried to take as least amount of things as I could, and. I fit it luckily into my um, little water backpack that I use for mountain biking or like oh, yeah. I'm gonna ride all day. But I'll tell you what, dude, fitting a whole toolkit and my extra visor and like clothes and all that shit into that was pretty. Uh, I had to get creative, let's say. Yeah. And sure. if you're gonna if you're gonna be doing long distance trips, plan on wearing your underwear inside out. Uh, a couple times because <laughs> right that'll that'll save you on having to pack a, at least one pair of underwear reduce reuse recycle that's right you said it girl <laughs> yeah no those are cool actually um can you see my screen yeah that's it yeah yeah those are cool yeah uh i wonder how many it doesn't say right here but i wonder how many liters or whatever it is it looks like it's big enough to hold a half moment a couple of six packs in it that's good to know. That's all you need to know, really. <laughs> you could probably you could probably put a half helmet in there easy. Yeah, right? you could. What here? What fits? So they it's twenty six quarts or six point five gallons would fit inside. So if you're gonna be pouring milk into there, you could pour six and a half <laughs> gallons of milk. Yeah, you that's could. Huge. I can't believe that. That's huge, actually. Six and a half gallons. If you think of yeah. My, my refrigerator door only holds two gallons. I mean, that's pretty big. Six and a half gallons. That's gigantic. Yeah, you should return your fridge. Yeah, and just get a bunch of these. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of pack animal things. <laughs> just hang them all around the house. Getting back to motorcycles. Thank you for the thank you for the tips, by the way. I'm gonna I tr- I always try to pack as light as I can when I ride mine um and still be as safe as possible. And that brings me to my awesome safety segment. Um, have you ever had a have you ever crashed? Not on my motorcycle. Um I have laid down my Vespa, did not lay down my Lambretta. Uh, and I've been hit by a car on a bicycle. Oh man. I've, I've crashed everything I've ever ridden. Bicycles actually. Oh, like flipping over the handlebars. Good. Yeah. Really good. One of them I flipped over and broke my right arm. The ulna, it was actually a complete break and the ulna rotated around. Oh, it was shit. pretty awesome. And I slid on the asphalt on my face. That's why I look so pretty. <laughs> You're, you are pretty, you ass. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I, you know, my face used to be crooked, and I slid on my face when I was in middle school, and that's when my face evened out, actually. <laughs> like, pulled it back into shape. I was hauling ass down this hill and you know when they when they freshly pave a hill for cars it's got it's terrible for skateboarding because it's got like all the gra you know they put gravel so it's got ultimate gription for the cars right i was like yeah you can't skateboard down it, but we were, we were riding our bikes down it, and i was hauling ass and i always wore visors at the time it was like cool skater thing all to right. wear like a visor and my <laughs> visor flew off and i reached back to get it and when i did that i like turned the handlebars just a little bit and just like laid it down in a tank top and shorts and ground half of my like my face, my shoulder, my nipple because I had a tank top on and it just like ripped it open and my leg. And I slid into a fucking cactus. <laughs> just, just to top it off. Yeah, so I just looked at that Indian motorcycle. It actually is from the 30s. Oh, no kidding. That's yeah. bad. Yeah. It's like, uh, I just last episode talked about how Indian started in 1901. So, I mean, dude, he was just getting in the swing of things. You yeah. Know? Wow. That's pretty that's cool. That's another bike I actually want to check out. They have a um, dealership here in Little Italy. So, I was curious about walking in there, maybe looking one of their beasts. Yeah, they have uh, the Scout, the Scout 60, the Dark Horse, and the Springfield, I think. So they go from, like, kind of modern cruiser to, like, old Art Deco-looking cruisers. Yeah. It is a beautiful bike. Yeah. It's super classic-looking. It's, like, mm -hmm. what people people shit on Harley for trying to do because they're not really doing it anymore. I don't know. Because Har Harley's kind of starting to turn into what honda looked like 30 years ago <laughs> you know what i mean like they're just like they can't decide do they want to be modern cruiser or do they want to be old cruiser and they're trying to do it halfway but the indians can pull it off since they closed for or since they didn't make them for quite a while you know what i mean like they they can kind of pull that shit off but yeah, yeah. it is it is a pretty bike you know what? I just remembered to another really fun ride that I loved was actually in the LA range with you for the oh geez the British bike ride. Yeah, the Hanson Dam. Hanson Dam, and I love that ride because again, there was now there weren't very many women there actually at all. It was mostly men, um, but the energy was awesome, and I think it was just yeah. because of the culture of the British bikes and the old motorcycle culture that was there. Um, and people were very proud of their bikes. You know, you could walk around and look what people had done, whether it was restored or kitted as far as, you know, to make look more cafe or not. But that ride was gorgeous. And it was fun for me on um, rides like that to really push myself as I'm trying to hang with the guys, um, especially through the windies and, uh, the only thing I regretted was it was just such a beautiful day. I wish I had a GoPro or something so I could have had pictures of the yeah. scenery. I kept wanting to stop and take pictures, but you don't do that when you ride with guys. I know. I got I got ahead of you because like a lot of people stopped to take pictures and I was like, where the hell did she go? And then, uh, I didn't. yeah, that, no, you didn't, but no. 
somebody you guys pulled off at some point and I was just like, uh, cause yeah, you, you tend to, even though there was like 800 people there, you tend to get split up enough to where yeah. you're not, you're not sure where everybody's at, but you know what too, that was so funny because I don't usually write on that side. I usually write over here on this side. So me and you had our fair share of like not knowing where the hell we were going. And that, it was fun <laughs> getting lost because you knew that everything led back down to the thing. Right. You know what I mean? But at the same time, I think we, we went a little bit backwards because we ended up coming down the two into La Cañada and then riding surface streets back to Hanson. Uh, I think they went, I think they went out and then came back up the two and then down to Hunga. So we'll have, I'll have to, I rode up there when I went to see Carrie and Pat race actually. Oh, at, cool. um, yeah. At Willow Springs. Okay. I took the mountain route and I see where we did. There's two ways you can go on the two, uh, you can go up the hill toward Wrightwood uh-huh. or down back down toward LA. And I think we went down toward LA and I think they went back around the backside. So it's yeah. shit that, that ride, I usually get 160 miles out of my tank. Yeah. And I, only, I only have a two gallon tank. I usually get about 160 miles, 170, depending on how I ride. And uh, remember I ran out of gas. Coming, so we, we did a fair bit of few you know we did at least at least 100 miles on that right yeah I mean, at least so yeah that was that was, so, that was a rad fun. ride i want to do it again yeah. i definitely want to come back and do that again yeah well hey listen on the january um 31st every year on new year's new year's eve they do a run to the january roses January uh, first is new year's eve in oh, la uh, it's the That's chinese awesome. new year it's chinese new year did I say, oh, I was talking about, no. Yeah, whoops. Um, in my part of LA, it's Chinese New Year. But yeah, no, on the regular New Year, on December 31st, um, they do a ride up up there and and back. So it's not it's not a crazy loop to get lost. It's like uh, up and back. But unless it's like totally raining, like last the last time I went, it was only 32 degrees at the top. So it was like freaking oh. snow. Yeah, there was snow up there. You couldn't, nobody wanted to go past the X Mount. And I was dying. My hands were like frozen to the grips. So, but if you come up, we should, we, we could do that one. That one's, you know, and then the Hanson is like, when did we do that? Shoot March or something? No, February. Um, I think February. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you could come up. We could do two mountain rides if you wanted to, if you had the time to do it. Down. So yeah, that'd be fun. Right now. Right. <laughs> Rad. <laughs> so you know what? When you come up here for the Hanson, we'll probably do I'll probably do an episode like about that and take pictures there and then like do an episode about the ride so we could talk more about it. Like okay. but we can do this in person, man, after the ride and be all like hyped up and giddy yeah, about it. That'd be fun. All right, girl. Well, I'm gonna cut you loose. Thank you okay. so much for being on. See, it wasn't yeah. that bad. It wasn't that bad at all. No, it wasn't. Alrighty, and we'll see you this weekend. Are you coming up for Viv's thing? Uh-huh, birthday? Yeah. Okay, we'll see you this weekend. Okay, thanks. All right, bye. Bye. Well, Sarah Jane, thank you so much for being part of our show and spreading the love that is the motorcycling community. Thanks for sharing all your world travels with us, and talk to you next time. And now for something totally unexpected. Chris and Michelle from Wisconsin did a live movie review. They went and saw a truly shitty motorcycle movie and did us a did us solid. Here's their take on it. Steverson, what's up? It's me, Steve Markowitz, and 
Chris motherfucking sing time over here. Hi, Steve. <laughs> and we are sending you this video because we just spent the last 15 minutes bitching in the truck after seeing the absolute shittiest of shitty motorcycle documentaries called what? What is it called? Story. Worth a story living. worth living. It was the shittiest thing we've ever seen. So we're gonna save you some time and tell you the brief highlights and why you should not watch it. It's not a motorcycle movie. No. Six guys, two of them had riding experience. Uh, they bought motorcycles with the intent of selling them after the trip. And they, they had all their Who gear. Does that? They had all their gear sponsored for them. Tents. They had a crew following them. They used the words joy and amazing glory <laughs> it was awful it was absolutely awful they rode a thousand miles in eight days eight days a thousand miles that's about 125 miles a day mathing look at me go over here that's it this the, was the first thing we thought was a thousand miles what did they do the other six days <laughs> it was so awful we they were talking about return of the jedi and like Star Wars references and Lord of the Rings and Narnia, like how, how? it was an hour and a half circle jerk of psycho babble bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> we are offended as serious motorcycle riders and racers, and we are saving you the trouble of wasting an hour and a half of your life to go and watch this movie. Each one of the riders was, we figure, valued between bike and gear about thirty thousand dollars. I'd say they're rolling F-250s that didn't know what they were doing with what they had. It was awful. And they kept falling over and crashing into each other and things like... And they had to take like an off-road motorcycling course before they ever went and did this. And one guy had only had like 10 hours of riding experience before he even went on this trip. We're offended. Have I mentioned that? <laughs> Look, this is my this is my angry line right here. We're getting the angry line out of Michelle. <laughs> that's, that's the forehead that looks like a sturgeon when she's <laughs> I'm a sturgeon. <laughs> oh god. Okay, so Chris and I signing off. We hope that you're doing well in California. It's only 7.30 there, so I'm gonna send this over and hopefully you get a chance to watch it. Bye Steve. We'll chat soon, Steve. Adios. Who greenlights the shit? How do you take a five-minute hipster Vimeo and turn it into an hour-and-a-half documentary? I want answers. I want heads to roll. Thanks again, Michelle and Chris, for the awesome review. Well, it's an hour and 15 minutes of your life that you will never get back. Thank you so much for hanging around and listening to the Creative Writing Podcast. Uh, take my recommendation. Go check out the Wisconsin International Raceway's top 10 drag bikes list. Go check out dailybikers.com and order yourself some sweet motorcycle art. If you get a chance and you have the time to waste, check us out on Facebook. And as always, you can find us at creative-writing.com. Check out our Tumblr page at creative-writing.tumblr.com. Email the show at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter. 
Uh, thank you again for all the like and support that we've been getting as of late. Uh, I'm not getting reports on each and every one of you, like I said earlier in the show. So please continue to ship that stuff in, and I will continue to ship out the best podcast between. I'm gonna. I have to narrow it down. It's between Eaton Canyon now and the uh, Monrovia Sawpit Basin. So yeah. I'm narrowing it down. I think there might be another uh, podcast around here. Actually, let's do this. Thank you for listening to the best podcast coming to you live from the Samuel Clemens statue in Old Town Monrovia Park. And it's about time we get to the sorry list. This week, Creative Writing would like to say sorry to the following. Sorry to GP Cycles. Ooh, I'm not sure that's what they're called, but they're down in San Diego and they sell Ducatis. Sorry to the Corvair. Sorry to Bill Bratton, the New York Police Department, and Ducati. Sorry to Ralph Nader. And I had no idea what Sarah was talking about, but in 1965, Ralph Nader wrote a book about the most unsafe vehicles in in, uh, the United States and did actually get the Corvair removed from Chevrolet's lineup. Sorry to Las Vegas. Sorry to VW. Sorry to Porsche Motorsports and Porsche Car Company. Sorry to the WIR Top 10 Bikes list. Sorry to men dancing in underwear. Sorry, Laguna Seca. We'd like to apologize to the MotoGP franchise, Lincoln Continental, and Babes Ride Out. And all their sponsors, such as 805, Biltwell, Sailor Jerry. Sorry to Viva Las Vegas. Sorry to Shady Tattoo Artists. Sorry to Wisconsin. Sorry to Michelle and Chris. Sorry to Indian Motorcycle Company, Honda, Lambretta, Vespa, Bakelite, and Pack Animal. Most of all, we are sorry to every country in the world that Sarah visited, and the biggest sorry of all to Sarah Jane Miller herself. Thank you for being a guest on our show, and we hope it hasn't stained your memory for life. All right, that's it. Peace out, homies. And remember, ladies, keep that ham over your fuel-injected double-overhead cam. No, God, don't work on that. What's the motorcycle event one called? They had, like, my nipple was just, like, on fire, you know? And This is weird. I'm going to edit that in so that it sounds like rap. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just can't imagine having a tattoo in the desert and then all of a sudden, uh oh. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, in person <laughs> sometime. <laughs> you ask. If you can hear like my face rubbing the microphone or something, let me know. Okay. You can tell me about this. I'll probably edit it out, but maybe I won't if, if you if you make a convincing argument. I didn't think you were gonna go, go with that. That was good. <laughs> Oh my god. So I went to Laguna Seca again for the <laughs> That was good. That was good. <laughs> I just loitered around it. I love looking like a dirty dirt bag in these sweet headphones, yeah. Right. That's how it starts. You're big and then I'm little in a little tiny corner. Dude, I always want to get a fart on air too. <laughs>